Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Nerd of Paradise. I'm your host, Kate, and this is kind of a continuation of our last episode, episode 18, about body image. And I'm going to go ahead and call this one ugly. And you'll see why in just a bit. So this is probably one of the fastest turnarounds I've ever had for an episode of Nerd of Paradise. I was listening to NPR yesterday morning, and I heard an interview that really caught my attention, especially with the episode that I just did on body image. And so it was an interview with author Robert Hogue, and so I was just immediately really intrigued by his story, and I thought that it would be amazing to actually talk to him. So I went online, and I looked him up, and I asked him, and he agreed, and he said he could do it the next day, which is today. So we did our interview, and now I'm recording it, and it's going out same day I recorded it. So that's pretty awesome. But I had an awesome chat with Robert, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm just going to go ahead and play the interview for you. Okay, so now I'm happy to be joined by writer and communicator Robert Hogue. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks, Kate. All right, so you're the author of the upcoming book. I believe it comes out in the U.S. tomorrow, right? Um, it does, yes. Ugly. So right away, I just wanted to talk about your the title of that, Ugly. Ugly, it seems like it's a word like that we're raised like to almost like not say it or not call people that. So I thought it was a really um, interesting choice for you to, to have that for your title. Yeah, and I, I thought long and hard about it. But ultimately, um, you know, I, I think my appearance and, you know, people can Google me and they'll be able to see a picture of me pretty easily. Um, but uh, my view is that I, I don't approach uh, a kind of standard um, uh, definition of aesthetic beauty. Um, and so in opposition to that is a range of things, but one of them is ugliness. Um, and so I don't think I sit anywhere uh, close to the spec on the spectrum uh, of being normal or beautiful, but I'm actually okay with that. And, and one of the reasons I decided to call my book uh, Ugly was that I wanted to actually be able to move beyond the kind of conversation where everyone kind of pretends that everyone looks the same mm -hmm. or that everyone's beautiful. And, and I think we have to stop pretending, we, we have to stop um, suggesting that differences in appearance don't matter by pretending they don't exist because they do exist. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that's a kind of baseline reality. The thing we have to move towards is uh, saying that, look, we might, there might be a really vast range in uh, differences of appearance, but um, those differences don't necessarily matter or don't necessarily define us in totality. That's very awesome. So I watched your TED Talk, which was awesome. I'll have to definitely put the link in for that on this episode. But um, one of the things you said at the beginning was the biggest obstacle to us owning our faces is us disowning them. So do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, society um, society brings us up to view beauty in a really narrow range. Um, and that makes it hard for everyone, even if people don't have um, some facial deformities like me. 
Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of separated from our own appearance at a really young age because the models of appearance we see on TV and in mainstream media are really narrow. Now, I think, I think that's kind of, um, it, it's difficult for men in some instances, um, but it's really incredibly challenging um, for women and young girls because the models of beauty that they're shown um, from a very uh, young age are quite narrow and quite specific. And, uh, you know, I think people kind of uh, disassociate themselves and their own appearance from notions of beauty quite early. And that's really kind of sad. Yeah, that's so true. I, re- I also liked how you said that, you know, like some people might think of ideal beauty as Mount Everest, but really it's like a million different points on a map. So what is your definition of ideal beauty? Oh, I think my kind of definition of ideal beauty is the kind of thing you might see on the front of a fashion magazine or you might see um, uh, on the face of a supermodel. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong um, with that, with uh, with those definitions. And, and, you know, those people are aesthetically uh, gorgeous. Um uh, but the problem arises when um, advertising and marketing and media try to suggest that, that that's the only acceptable form of beauty. Um, and, you know, beauty finds itself in a whole range of ways. It could find itself, um, you know, in eyelashes or in a smile or in um, uh, the, the way someone's hair falls across their forehead. Or it could also find itself in um, a person's manner and their characteristics and, and what, they're, what they like and what they're interested in. So I think the first kind of notion um, to move past is that there's only one real definition of beauty. Um, there's a kind of mainstream definition of beauty, which people who sell makeup and advertising want us to believe, but it's actually a lot broader than that. All right, so you kind of alluded to it a little earlier, but you have such an interesting story, your own personal story. Do you think you could just kind of um, recount your recount your whole history? <laughs> okay, well, in, in three easy steps. Um, no, I'll, I'll give you the really um, uh, potted history version. Uh, I was born um, with a massive tumor in the middle of my face. It kind of ran from uh, the tip of my forehead all the way down to where my nose should have been. And it was like the size of a newborn baby's fist. Now, uh, when I was born in the early 1970s, uh, there weren't any prenatal scans. And, and my mum my had had uh, four healthy, I'm not going to call my siblings normal, um, <laughs> but four healthy uh, kids before me. Um, and my parents had no idea what was coming. But I was born with the massive tumor in the middle of my face and it had formed really early during my development. So it made a mess of my face and pushed my eyes to the side of my head like a fish. Um, I also had two uh, deformed legs. So I was born and um, taken away after I was born without my mother even seeing me and, and she refused to see me for a week and uh, even after she saw me then, uh, she didn't want to take me home. So I stayed in hospital for a month while uh, my parents and my family kind of debated whether um, I should come home from hospital. Thankfully, they decided to uh, bring me home, um, and I came home to a great, 
really loving um, home. Uh, and then I, I, I went through a whole range of operations. I had about two dozen operations um, uh, to amputate um, kind of two deformed uh, feet on uh, my legs and also rebuild my face and try and make it look a bit more normal, including amputating, oh, so removing the tumor at the front of my face, um, moving my eyes from the side of my head to the front of my head, and using the amputated toes from one of my feet to build me a new nose. So that's kind of the, that, that's kind of the, uh, the, the guts of my story until I was about four, um, when they, uh, doctors did a, that, really big operation to remake my face um and and the book kind of tells what that was like when i was really young but also what it was growing up um what it was like growing up being a kid who looked different who had a disability who had a lot of operations when he was young and had a lot of uh challenges and a lot of teasing and bullying but also had a lot of kind of good times um, growing up as well. That actually goes really nicely into the next thing I wanted to talk about. So you mentioned bullying, and um, one of your quotes from your TED Talk was that, uh, let me find it, their kids are like a guided missile and finding every bump, and I don't remember the exact quote, but they just like, they zero in on anything different. And like, I know I've experienced that. I was born with um, a paralysis on the side of my face, and it's yeah. just like, um, yeah, kids will, they just, they're, they zero in on stuff like that. Kids are in, in equal measure, uh, wonderful and awful. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't hide away from kids because they are so kind of beautifully, uh, honest and curious. Um, and so they want to know why things are, uh, the way they are and they want to understand why things the way they are. And when they don't, they ask a lot of questions. Now, sometimes those questions can be quite innocent um, uh, and and without any problems whatsoever. But it's not a far step from that kind of natural curiosity to find its way um, into, you know, teasing or a form of bullying. Because I think kids are under tremendous pressure to conform. And they're under tremendous uh, pressure to... Um, throw away aspects of their own individuality uh, to be seen to um, conform to a group and fit into a, a school and understand the things that are important to that school and the things that are important to their social group. And I certainly experienced that because, uh, you know, when you look like me, it is impossible to hide that you have a squished nose and bumps on the side of your head and scars running down the middle of your head and um, uh, two amputated legs. Uh, and so I copped a fair bit of bullying and teasing um, when I was a kid. Uh, I was lucky in that I had some really good uh, friends, a small but tight group of friends, and we looked after each other and made sure um, we were all doing okay. But there were a few tough years there where I tried to kind of work out um, uh, whether my kind of facial difference was going to define me my entire life and whether my entire life was going to be like uh, some of my experiences at school. But luckily, I think I figured out pretty early that, um, uh, you know, kids kids were making fun of the way I looked um, 
and I kind of had this uh, eureka moment where I kind of figured out, look, you know, they might say I've got a squish nose and have no legs. And those things are actually true. And when you understand that those things are true, it kind of takes away a bit of the bullying power from, um, from kids. It made it a tiny little bit less hurtful, um, uh, but it was still, you know, it, it didn't necessarily reduce the kind of sense of otherness that the bullying had, and that was the hard thing to get over. But as I said before, luckily I had some really good friends uh, to stick with and we looked after each other. So, like, what advice do you have? Like, bullying is such a big problem that we see today. Do you have any, like, specific advice for kids? Oh, it's, it, it, it's, really, it's really hard. Um, uh, my advice uh, to kids is that, um, uh, and it, it's really hard for them to process, I think, especially when they're in the middle of being bullied. But the thing for kids to remember is that um, you define who you are, not others. Um, and that's really important. And it, it's not your parents' expectations of you. It's not kind of um, advertising and media's expectations of you. And it's certainly not the expectations of bullies who, who are teasing you and being mean. Um, they don't get to define you. Maybe they're teasing you because you do have, you know, one ear that's higher than the other or a funny-shaped nose or a cleft palate or something about you that makes you a bit different from other kids. Um, and you can't pretend those things don't exist, but um, uh, you don't have to let those things define who you are and who you become. You don't have to pretend they don't exist, and, and you shouldn't because they're part of you. And if you've grown up with them for a long time, they're probably a really important part of you. And that's probably one of the things that's really um, been a theme for uh, in writing um, my book, Ugly, is just saying um, we shouldn't jettison the parts of us um, that might have some challenges associated with them. So my advice uh, to, to to kids or, or people who may be getting bullied is um, remember that it's up to you to define who you are um, and that your physical appearance is part of who you are but doesn't have to define 100% of you. All right, so you're on Nerd of Paradise, which obviously has some nerdy undertones to it. <laughs> <laughs> and you said you were into like some nerdy stuff. What are some of um, the fandoms and stuff that, that, that uh, you're into? Uh, Everything. Um, one of uh, one of my favourite shows um, is uh, was a sitcom uh, Community by Dan Harmon. Oh yeah, that's and a good one. There's, there's a there's a character on there called Arbed, um, who's a wonderful <laughs> character, and he's got this quote in one episode, which is, uh, "I just like liking things." <laughs> um, so I um, I grew up uh, watching Star Trek uh, in Australia. And I'm, ex I'm so excited because September 8th, uh, three days away, is the 50th anniversary of the first episode of uh, Star Trek appearing on TV. Awesome. So I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to be in America uh, uh, for the 50th anniversary like of that. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so I love Star Trek and Star Wars. And I, I grew up reading so much science, science fiction. But... Um, I've really got a soft spot for um, a, a, a lot of fandoms uh, and a lot of people who are into stuff that I'm not into, but I just I just get 
and I really uh, enjoy um, seeing people who like liking things. So do you think there's a correlation like between sci-fi and a lot of the fandoms and everything and um, a lot of people who maybe feel dejected in society or... I think I th- look. I think I think so. Often, uh, and and for two reasons. Um, uh, one, particularly for something like Star Trek, which you know, for a show um, set, uh, for a show that was um, on air fifty years ago, certainly the original series was really diverse and really accepting of difference. So I think I think the first element that, that that's really important is the content of a lot of those shows and and a lot of those. Um, uh, creations is really accepting um, in and of itself, and 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 often quite diverse, which is really good because um, the books and the TV shows and the films uh, we watch and consume should kind of reflect reality. Um, the the other aspect to it is the communities and the fandoms around that they they're there to gather around. Um, the art and the creation and the stuff. So it doesn't matter if you're a young girl or a 75-year-old bloke or, a, a, you know, a 40-year-old middle-aged bloke with no legs and a, a squished nose. You know, if you love Star Trek or if you love anime or if you love cosplay, if you get together in your community, it's just about the stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's really awesome. That is awesome. I mean, so there's, cool. you know, um, you know, plenty of fandoms will have uh, crazy warfare over the stuff. Um, <laughs> but um, it's just really good because communities come together about the thing, the, the things that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And um, it's that passion that drives a community forward, mm-hmm. not about whether you're old or young or rich or poor or black or white or... Um, uh, able-bodied or have a disability. It's it's just about the stuff. So I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here. You're but, right. um, I really enjoyed your blog post about five things you can say to someone with a disability. So I thought maybe yep. we could um, go over those because I feel like a lot of times people don't know what to say. And so I thought that was really yeah. awesome post. So I think that one of the reasons I wrote the blog post was I kept getting really kind of frustrated because I'd see um, uh, I, I'd see these blog posts or these articles about things you couldn't say to someone with a disability mm-hmm. or um, how not to talk to someone with a disability. And, you know, there's absolutely a place for that. And um, uh, I... Um, uh, and, and I understand why people would write those... But, but my concern when the only thing people are reading about um, how to have a discussion with someone who has a disability is he, he, here are 27 things you can't do is it just sends this message of, of saying, don't talk to us. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'll run through the list really quickly. And the, f- the first one was really just saying, you know, it's okay to say hello. <laughs> um, say, hi, how are you? Um, I, uh, you don't have to engage someone with a disability um, immediately in a discussion about that disability. Um, uh, you know, you can have a discussion. You might be at a science fiction convention and you can have a discussion about Doctor Who and you might never once um, discuss their disability. So I think the first thing is is to say, look, we're not going to bite. 
um, uh, you know, just come and say hello. Then look, you know, I think it's entirely reason, reasonable for someone with a disability um, uh, to say no, they don't want to talk about their circumstances. But I also think, um, or personally, I'm not offended if someone says to me, look, can you tell me about your circumstances or what happened to you or your disability? I think um, I think we're at this kind of point with uh, disability inclusion where we, we've, we've still got a long way to go in terms of um, uh, broader acceptance. And I think often I think we're a bit impatient to get places where for example, feminism um, or racial equality have gotten already, um, but they've gotten there on the back of 50 years, 100 years of work mm -hmm. that um, we haven't been able to do in the same way. Um, um, so I think we actually have to have um, a, a lot more discussions about disability mm -hmm. before we can get some broader acceptance. Right. Um, um, uh, the other thing is around, um, uh, you know, I, I won't go through all five, but I th mm -hmm. the other thing, um, people often get offended, um, people with disability often get offended um, when um, people say they're inspiring. Now, I, I can kind of understand why that might be offensive, but I'm not offended. Um, and I, I think it's, it's not up to me, and I don't think it's up to anyone to police um, how or why um, people get inspiration from something or someone. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, if someone's kind of engaging with um, my disability and um, feels some inspiration uh, around something I'm doing, that's great because I think it helps them kind of engage with, um, with the disability a bit more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, you know, my kind of approach to that is uh, we need to be, um, we, we shouldn't police conversations um, so tightly that it's impossible to have a kind of conversation that doesn't allow for some, um, you know, genuine mistakes and some genuine kind of back and forth. I think if we're too quick to jump on people when they don't get everything 100% right, then the effect is not going to be that we're going to have better conversations. The effect is going to be we're not going to have any conversations. All right. Well, if you want to see the rest of them, I'll put a link up and you can head on over to the blog and read the whole post. It's a really good post. Ugly comes out tomorrow, September 6th. Um, I was going to ask, is there any plans for an audiobook version? There is an audiobook version out. Oh, there is? I didn't see it on yes. Audible. Uh, no, it's from the... Um, it's... I don't think it's on Audible. It's from the Penguin Listening Library. I might oh. uh, flick you. I'll flick you a link if okay, you'd like that'd to be put awesome. that up. I read the. Oh, I did the audiobook narration, and awesome. of course, I'm Australian. I'm Australian, and uh, you know, we we refer to our our mother as uh, mum with a U mm -hmm. rather than mom with an O. <laughs> and I swear, um, there are so many mentions of mom in this book, <laughs> and I had. To, I had to sit for hours and hours and try and train myself to say mom instead oh, of mum. <laughs> and I think there are still a few times where I didn't get it quite right. Oh, funny. Well, that, that would be a really interesting listen, I would think. So, yeah, if you want to pick up Ugly, it's at pretty much any bookstore, I would imagine. Amazon. Yes. 
anywhere that's a good bookstore, <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, and do you want to tell people how they can connect with you online? Yeah. Look, I'm I'm on I'm on Twitter, just uh, Robert Hogue, uh, R O B E R T H O G E, and on Facebook. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and other other social medias, uh, social media, or uh, just just Google me and um, uh, uh, check out my my web page. That's got a link to my email, and really happy to hear from readers. I answer a lot of questions. Um, I've answered a lot of questions from Australian kids who've read the Australian version of the book, and. Um, uh really happy to hear from people and to uh to to, to chat so um it, it's a it's a big community out there that i love being part of and uh to be part of it you have to engage in a conversation so i'm just really happy to hear from people and to chat that's awesome cool do you have any future plans that you can tell us about writing uh, or otherwise um, I've I've started writing. Uh, I kind of finished the first uh, draft of a young adult novel, um, but it's a first draft and it's <laughs> not very good. Um, so I've got to go back and uh, write a few more drafts. Um, but for the moment, I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying Ugly coming out because it's yeah. a really it's a it, you know it's a really lovely privilege to have. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on Nerd of Paradise, Robert. Thanks so much, Kate. It's been great fun. Uh, Live long and prosper. (laughs) Live long and prosper. (laughs) Okay, so that was amazing. And probably one of my favorite interviews I've done. So thanks again, Robert. And I hope you, as the listener, have taken something away from this. Robert is a very wise and insightful guy. And I hope you've learned something from it. So next time you're looking in the mirror... Don't look away so quickly and appreciate the life, beauty, and pain that has gotten you to that point. So I'm really proud of the last couple episodes I've done of Nerd of Paradise. And just podcasting in general, it's been quite the adventure for me. And it's been almost a year now since I've been doing Nerd of Paradise. So you'll definitely be hearing more about that in the near future. I'll be writing and even podcasting about podcasting. So stay tuned for that. And as always, be sure if you want to find out a little more, you can check out nerdaparadise.net. And you can always connect with me on Twitter. That's at NAPPod. So that's going to do it for this episode. But until we meet again, just remember, embrace the weird. <laughs>